In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sermon text this morning comes from our Gospel lesson, Luke chapter 16. In our Gospel lesson today, Jesus tells a parable. In this parable, he describes a division between two men, a rich man and a poor beggar. The rich man lived an outwardly abundant life. He had it all, it seemed, and he enjoyed the luxuries of this earthly life. The beggar was a poor man. He did not have much. By the world's standards, he lived an unpleasant life. Ultimately, the roles would reverse. The rich man would live poor and miserably in the torments of hell, and the poor man would be carried by angels to, to the joys of heaven. He would live a rich life of abundance in heaven. What benefit do worldly riches have to us? Dear brothers and sisters, we gain nothing from the riches of the world. The rich man in the text is unnamed. Although we don't get his name, we do learn plenty about him. We learn how he lived and where he put his trust. The rich man lived an outwardly luxurious life. He had it all. Endless fine linen and clothing, endless and sumptuous amounts of food. You could say that he was living high in the hog. He had done well for himself in this life, and he took advantage of this day in and day out. He fully yielded himself to the passions of his luxurious life. He was at ease in this world and at ease with the riches of this world. He clung to this luxurious life so much that he was blinded to the needs of the poor beggar right outside his gate. The poor beggar is identified as a man named Lazarus, a man of very little, but yet so much. In addition to being a beggar, Lazarus's body was full of sores. The rich man certainly knew that Lazarus was outside his home while he was inside living it up. How could he miss him? He certainly had to leave his property and would have walked right by poor Lazarus, laying on the ground while doing so. But the rich man did nothing. He only cared for his own life. He was greedy. Instead, Lazarus was forced to resort to eating crumbs from the rich man's table. Now, add this to his conditions of living. The dogs appear to show more care and mercy for Lazarus than the rich man. At least, they licked his sores. Lazarus did not have much to brag about. Now, these differences between the rich man and Lazarus were not just during their earthly life. Our text says, The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off, and at Lazarus, and Lazarus at his side. What benefit were the rich man's riches to him? The roles have been reversed. 
The rich man is suffering torment and misery in hell. Lazarus is in heaven. Now the problem was not that the rich man had abundant possessions. There was nothing wrong with having possessions. The rich man lived a life of unbelief. His riches became his gods. He put his trust in his riches. The wrong was that he set his heart upon his riches. He sought riches. He clung to his riches. All his joy, desire, and pleasure were in his riches. In death, he suffers torment in Hades, as he can see Lazarus far off at the side of Abraham, living in comfort. Then we have the high point of the parable. The rich man pleads for mercy. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. The rich man lived an outwardly abundant life on earth. He received many good things in his life. He seemed to have it all, but it was of no benefit to him. Now has come the realization of the poverty within him. His lack of faith leads him to eternal torment in Hades, to everlasting anguish. There is forever a chasm between him and heaven, between him and God. He trusted in and clung to the worth, worthless idols of this world. He may have gotten earthly joy out of them, but now the joy is gone, the torment and the anguish begun. Dear brothers and sisters, what benefit are worldly riches to us? We may get joy out of them in the here and now, but then what? Certainly, there is nothing wrong with having riches. Our Heavenly Father has indeed blessed us with such things. We do not need to fear riches, but greed. We may possess riches, but we are not possessed by the riches. There is nothing wrong with having riches. The wrong is when we set our hearts upon our riches, when we seek riches, when we cling to riches, when all our joy, desire, and pleasure is in our riches. When we do this, we are only left wanting more. When we entrust our hearts on riches, we are led to greed. We covet a friend or co-worker's belongings. We cling so much to our riches that we don't share them with others. We put our faith in worldly riches, making them our gods, which only leads us to emptiness. Like the rich man in the parable, we often neglect to show mercy to those in need. We know someone is in need of help, but we neglect to help them. This could be a friend, family, a member at church, or even someone in our family. Paul says to Timothy, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. The riches of this world only perish and fade away. There is no certainty in them. We set our hopes and our certainty 
on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Dear brothers and sisters, there is no gain in the riches of this world, but in Christ, there is gain. Lazarus didn't have much. His life wasn't easy, but he had what he needed. He had Christ. Lazarus trusted that through Christ, his needs would be taken care of. Unlike the rich man, when Lazarus died, he was taken up into heaven by angels. For Lazarus, to live was Christ, and to die was gain. His earthly life, Lazarus had what he needed. But in heaven, he gained much more. He gained the fullness of the joy of life with his heavenly Father. He was given everything to enjoy in eternity. In the last part of the parable, the rich man pleads with Abraham to send warning to his relatives so that they may not suffer the same his final fate. Abraham tells him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. They have the word of God and his promises. You also have God's word as you gather for Bible study. You have God's word as you gather for devotions and pray together as a family. Every Sunday, every divine service, you gather here and you listen to God's word as it is read and preached. You are here. You are listening to Moses and the prophets. You are listening to God's word. You do repent of your sins. God's word of forgiveness comforts you when you suffer anguish in this world. Like Lazarus, you may not have much on this side of eternity, but you do have God's word. You have his promise. You have his promise that he will provide for all your needs, the body and soul. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. We confess, God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, has made me in all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. You have received mercy. God revealed his mercy by the innocent suffering and death of his son, Jesus Christ, upon the cross. You have God's promise of the forgiveness of sins. Because of Christ, you are forgiven. Because of Christ, you are found righteous. On the cross, Christ took on the full load of your sin. By his death on the cross, Christ has paid the full atonement for your sins. By the shedding of his blood, your sins have been washed clean. And he did this on the cross for you. For you, he suffered and died, was buried and rose again on the third day. In the parable, the rich man was not named. 
but we did learn plenty about him. We learned where he placed his identity. His identity was in his riches. He trusted solely in the riches of this world. He clung to his riches. In the end, this led him to eternity in the torments of Hades. But Lazarus was named. This is where his identity was found. His identity was found in his name. This morning, we witnessed the baptisms of Christopher and Olivia. In, baptis in baptism, Christopher and Olivia were given a name. In your baptism, you were given a name, a divine name. You were given your baptismal name as you were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And you return to your baptism day after day. As you make the sign of the cross, you are reminded of the identity and the name you bear in Christ. Those who do not hear Moses and the prophets will not be convinced, even if someone should rise from the dead. You are persuaded. You are persuaded about what you have become in Christ, a redeemed child of God through Christ. This is where your identity is found, in Christ. You live in this identity every day as Christians. You are living this identity right now. By coming to the table of the Lord, you are joining Lazarus and all the saints in the heavenly feast. The risen one, Jesus Christ, comes to you in the divine service. He comes to you in his body and blood, given and shed for you, for the remission of all your sins. No matter how much we have, whether much or little, we are comforted knowing that this is where our identity rests. We are comforted knowing that God does provide our daily bread and all that is needed to support this body and life. Through Christ, God's word comforts us in an empty world. Like Lazarus, this comfort will be fully obtained when we too are called to our heavenly home to be at the side of our heavenly Father. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.